Uh, I, I, I think you covered everything. I did just go ahead and hit record because I forgot to done, do that. So thank you for reminding me. I have a little note that said record so that we could remember. I got Perfect. Uh, yeah, I think you covered everything. Uh, let me cover how you get a certificate first. And then I'm going to cover that at the very end too, because let me just tell you, you can never have those directions enough. Okay. That's really important because you put in a lot of time in learning and investing in yourself this week. So we want to make sure that you get your certificate. So the very first comment up in the top uh, was my comment and it had a link for the certificate process. It's also in your workbook on page 18. So the link is right there, so you can, two different places. So it will take you to a Google form. It's pretty simple. It takes you right to where you need to go. You just input your information. It'll tell you exactly what to put in there. Uh, it's gonna ask you some questions. You're gonna be very familiar with these questions if you've been using your workbook. So it'll ask you things like, what did you learn? What are you gonna do because of what you learn? And how are you gonna share this with somebody else? Now you get to decide what you wanna put in there. You can put in there from specific sessions. You can put in there from the whole week, right? So maybe the whole week you just got this one really big idea. Totally up to you, there's no right or wrong way. I'm not looking for any specific answer, so you don't have to answer it the way you think Michelle would want. Totally up to you. And then it's gonna ask you another couple questions after that, like what was the best thing about this experience and what could make it better? So it really should take you maybe three to five minutes. Uh, what that's gonna do is it's gonna populate a spreadsheet for my assistant and she is going to make sure that everybody um, gets their attendance tracked by the certificate. So we will let Crystal know. Crystal will tell the registry she will wave her magic wand and do whatever it is that they do in the My Registry to make sure that you get credit and your certificate. So the biggest thing that you need to know is follow that link and we're gonna keep that link live until 11.59 p.m. on Monday, okay? So Monday night, 11.59 p.m. Once midnight hits, that link is, is dark. You will not be able to apply for a certificate after that. So we wanted to give you a couple more days if you need to catch up on videos, things like that. If you're already caught up on videos, I would highly recommend that as soon as you get done with this Zoom with us today, just go and get it done. Don't forget about it. Just, just get it done. I know, because that's how I would be is I, I, I would forget about it and then go, oh, shoot. So just get that done. All right, so that's all I have as far as housekeeping stuff. So um, go ahead and, and put your questions uh, in the chat box and then Crystal's gonna kind of guide me through that. Um, and we'll see what kind of brain is left after a whole week. Yes, and I will, um, I'll also put that reminder on the Facebook page about getting your certificate in. Um, I'll give you that reminder on Monday. If you are participating on the Facebook page, you'll get a notification that says, hey, really don't forget to do that because like she said that link will close it's like cinderella the ball gown will be gone and you will not be able to um, complete that link again so we'll go ahead and get started and since um, the last time we got to speak with michelle um, we had two more training videos come out for you guys one was ride the fear and the other one was solution-based thinking so what I was thinking was that we could kind of dive into each and see um, if you guys had any clarifying questions, thoughts, even if you don't have questions, I'd love to hear your feedback for Michelle of what really resonated with you, what, um, what made you go, 
well, yeah, you know, and shake your head. Oh yeah, that, that so makes sense. Um, cause I think those are a lot of those moments of it might not be new information, but you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I see here, Lindsay has put in solution based thinking video. I thought there was a mention of an additional video about brains. Michelle, was there an additional yes. video? So I am going through right now because I thought I put it in there, but sometimes I put things in and I forget to push the magic green button that makes it go live. Um, okay. So apparently I forgot to put that in there. So I thank you so much because I want to make sure that you get that. Perfect. And again, like we said, after Michelle puts it there, it's going to be there forever. So this is a bonus video. It's not um, part of the required training. So you can go back to this when you're ready to digest it. Yeah. So I will have that in uh, based on downloading times, the way that things have been working in my area of the, the neighborhood, I would say probably by one o'clock today, I would love to say by noon when we're done, but you know, technology being what it is, you, you can probably start looking at one. If it's not there, it'll be there soon after. That's still a pretty good turnover time. Thank you. Okay. Michelle. Well, that's that I was thinking, I was thinking you were going to say like Monday or something. So oh, no, no. Just fine. Just, just, just a fine. click in a couple buttons, but you know, technology doesn't always work as fast as we do, right? We all know that story, especially now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, I was thinking we could start with Ride the Fear. That was um, the first video that popped up um, after we had met last. So Michelle, I'm wondering if you can um, tell me what what inspired you to go down this avenue of fear? Um, was there something that triggered you to say, we need this? Oh my gosh, so many things. So first of all, let me back up and tell you why in the world I think it's important for myself, because that's typically how my work goes is I see it as important. And then I start looking around and noticing, oh yes, it's apparently important for other people too. So uh, many, many years ago, and I think I told some of my story, but I was uh, a people pleaser. And, and maybe you are a people pleaser too. Um, I felt like it was my job to make everybody in my world happy. Now I know on the other side of all of this, the reason why that was the case for myself is because of the, the childhood I grew up in, that kind of behavior kept me safe because if everybody around me was happy, I was safe. So that belief really helped me. And then, you know, I got to this point, um, I had been a, a kindergarten teacher, a preschool teacher, a center director, and then I was staying home with my kids because that's what people told me I should do. I have kids, I should stay home now. And by people, I mean my mother-in-law, right? So uh, I'm doing everything I can to keep everybody in my life happy. And that's when I had my stroke in 2011. And it was literally like my brain said, enough is enough, you cannot continue to do this. So uh, from there, it really became the, the uh, beginning of a journey to um, understand myself and really think through what can I do um, to, to be the best version of myself. So uh, I started getting into all kinds of personal development stuff and, and pretty soon I was uh, exposed to ideas through book mentors and in-person mentors that were talking about this idea of fear. And that in reality, you can do anything you want in life, but fear is the thing that holds you back. And so I began to kind of play around with that idea. And what I know now is that there's really two 
primary, I guess, emotions, if you will. There's fear and there's love. So if you think about it, the, the brain, how the brain is set up is that you, the emotion of fear, so there's a lot attached to that, but the emotion of fear is on one side of the brain, the emotion of love and all the attached emotions to it are on another side of the brain. So it's physiologically impossible for you to feel fear and love at the same time. Just, just thinking and meditating on that one idea can totally change your life. So when I was thinking about, okay, how can I create my business, right? Now, anybody who started your own business knows that is not an easy process. And you talk about fear, right? That, there's a lot of fear there. And so as I was really walking through that, and thankfully I had people to help me, um, I really had to come to this understanding of how can I change that fear into more love? So looking at, even right now, honestly, um, I went to a retreat several weeks ago and I had this epiphany, this insight about what does my relationship look like with my business? And it hadn't been that relationship of fear lately, but it definitely wasn't one of love. It was more one of like, I'm tolerating you because I have to. And so now I'm shifting my perception a little bit to say, how can my, me and my business walk together throughout this life and make sure that we both have what we need, but we're not, you know, taking too much from the other person. I know that's a whole nother training, but you know, when COVID hit, the very first thing I thought was we now have a whole globe of people who are in fear. It's not just one person. It's not just one group of people. Everybody is in fear. And most of it stems from the unknown. And if you don't know how to deal with your own fear, I mean, you're, you'll get swamped, you'll get caught up in all kinds of craziness. And so, like I've said in, in so many videos, you can't control your circumstances or your situation. You cannot control that we're in a global pandemic as much as you want. You cannot control that it's impacted your business or um, some of you are still not working yet. Some of you are, are going to be working soon, but it's virtual and you're like, yeah, this didn't, this kind of sucked before. It's going to suck again, right? Um, there's so many things that we're dealing with right now that we have no control over. But the one thing we have control over is how we look at things. And if we allow ourselves to get swept up into fear, we're, we're becoming the victim that we don't want to be. If we say to fear, you know what? I get it. You're here to tell me something really useful. What do I need to know to make the next right step? All of a sudden we step into our power and we begin to create circumstances and situations that are better for us. Again, maybe you're not healing the earth, right? But if you can heal just your heart, that makes you open to helping other people, which of course passes that healing on to them. So in my mind, honestly, and I, I kind of came up with a book idea a few weeks ago um, called The Thin Veil, where it really talks about the idea that we look at fear as this solid brick wall, kind of made of steel too, that we can't get through. When in reality, it's a thin veil that you can pass through at any time. It doesn't actually exist, but we give so much power to it that we allow it to hold us back from what we want in life. So that's not a short answer, but that's the answer. So there you go. 
I love that answer. I saw lots of head shaking, like, yes. Um, and you said that powerful statement of you cannot have fear and love in the same place. And then talking about how everybody is riding the fear right now. Um, and we're seeing a lack of love. Um, mm. I think that that just makes so much sense when we saw everybody get into that fear moment, we saw the nastiest come out of a lot of people. I think it was hard for people to get off, get that veil gone, right? Yeah. It makes so much sense. Um, we had uh, someone ask about kind of going back to the stick chick model and this fear and feelings. Um, you know, there's a belief that we choose our feelings, but how, you know, when we're talking about the unconscious brain and those feelings, can you kind of talk about that a little bit, Michelle? Yeah. Yeah. So in relationship to children, remember zero to seven, they don't have their conscious brain fully formed. So they're feeling all kinds of things, but they're not choosing those feelings. It's just like everything is being poured into them. After that time, you begin to have the power to choose your feelings. However, remember, once you get into your subconscious and you are, for lack of a better term, triggered, okay, so, so you're triggered by something. Somebody says something, somebody does something, and you're triggered. Once you're in that subconscious, the feelings and emotions that you get are automatic. They're reflex because the feelings and emotions are really attached to something that you experienced in your past that is telling you we should feel this way. So I'll give you a great example. Um, I used to do a ton of traveling, which I'm totally rethinking now uh, based on the last few months, uh, but a ton of traveling, like 40 to 50,000 miles on my car every year traveling, okay? Um, and I didn't have road rage, but I did have a good healthy dose of road impatience, okay? And so if somebody were to cut me off, perceived cut me off, I would get really, really upset and angry. Like that, that was a trigger for me. And so as I learned a lot of this, I was like, okay, let me just focus on this because why am I getting so upset about this? And I realized it was attached to several beliefs I had. The one belief was I'm, if, if somebody gets in my way, I'm going to get there late. Okay. What's going to happen if I get there late? And then of course I go on this whole creating my, my own storyline of what's going to happen if I'm late. Right. But I remember as a kid always being told late or excuse me, being on time is late. You always have to be early to things. And so if I, for some reason was on time to something and not early, I would get in trouble. So the belief that I had was, if you're not there early, you're going to get in trouble. And so there's emotions attached to that. So when somebody cuts me off in a car, without me being consciously aware, this process is happening until I said, okay, what do I want to happen? So one uh, of my uh, book mentors, I would love to meet her in person. Uh, her name is Byron Katie. Yes, that's her actual name, Byron, B-Y-R-O-N, Katie, K-A-T-I-E. Um, she's got uh, several books out there. So if you really want to step into this kind of mindset area, it might kind of scramble your eggs a little bit, but it's, it's a really good content. She has a, a quote I actually have on a post-it note in my car, and it says, hurry, is fear. Hurry is fear. 
And so over and over and over again, I had to, to remind myself, okay, what do I fear? What's the, what's the fear here? Sometimes I didn't know. Cause sometimes you're just in that space. You're like, okay, I don't even have time to think about what I'm thinking about. Right. So I would revert back to, okay, if I know I'm in a hurry and I know that's fear and I know I can't feel fear and love at the same time, what emotion do I want to choose? And I figured out for myself, gratitude is the best love emotion that you can choose. Gratitude is really not just being thankful for something that you have, but just being grateful in general. So one thing that I would do when I noticed I was hurrying and I was in this fear is I would say, okay, what am I grateful for? And I would start listing, you know, I'm grateful for my kids, grateful for my husband, you know, grateful for my job. And I would try to see how many, how many things I could add to that list. And eventually, guess what? When you're doing that, you're not thinking about the person who's cutting you off. You're not thinking about getting in trouble for being late to a meeting. And I found over time that when I would go through this process and I would arrive, I, I don't know if this was like the universe or source or something giving me an a girl, but I would always find the best parking spot. And I would always go into wherever I was going with the best attitude. And so there was a really great result that came out of it. But before when I was operating out of fear, and I was trying to hurry, well, sure, I would get there early because that was my intention, right? But when I got there, I would never find a good parking spot. I would always have a bad attitude and I usually didn't have very good outcomes. And so over time, as I just practiced and kind of did what I call this holy struggle with this gratitude thing, then I saw different results. And so then when I got in the car, it, it just became a, what do I want to think about when I'm in the car? So now I actually have scheduled thinking time when I'm in the car. And when you do that, then you don't think about other drivers. And it's funny because in the background, if you see the picture, the blue picture with the anchor, if you see that picture, give me a thumbs up. Okay, that was done by a friend of mine. Uh, she lives in Louisiana. She's an amazing artist. And it says, gratitude is an anchor. Gratitude is an anchor. I love that because it does not matter what storm you're in, which all storms have fear related to them, gratitude is going to anchor you exactly where you need to be until that storm passes. I love that advice. Um, that's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. And, you know, as I'm watching the questions show up and hearing you, that hurry up is fear thing that makes me think about when we're working with children and we're trying to get through our schedule and we're um, hurrying, hurrying, we gotta get outside, we gotta have lunch, we gotta do nap time. Nap time's already been 20 minutes and this kid hasn't fallen asleep, I need them to get to sleep right now. And so talking about what, why are, why are we hurrying? And you know, oftentimes I'll hear people say, well, if I don't get them the nap, then their parents are gonna be mad at me. And so there is a fear thing, or if I don't get lunch going now, then I know that George is gonna be cranky because he gets hangry, you know, like it, we get into that rush mode because we've already made that storyline of what's going to go wrong. Yeah. Um, we've already went down that rabbit hole that you're kind of talking about of, I've already written the story. I already know that I'm not going to get the parking spot and that, you know, if I'm going to drop my coffee. All those things are going to happen. And then so I we, think too, on the other end of that, you know, one question that we could just change as a guiding question is how can I show love to this child right now? 
So for example, you know, the child that's having the temper tantrum, how can I show them love right now? Not while they're in your care all day long or all year or anything like that, but right now in this moment, is there one thing that I can do or say or just be that's going to help this child? And I think by turning that question around, your intention stops being, what are all the boxes I have to check to keep everybody else happy? And it comes back around to, why am I even here? Just with one question. And whatever, some, some answer is going to come to you. And usually it's some answer that is um, stored in your subconscious mind, right? It's not something you're consciously thinking of. Uh, you're already going to know what to do. Trust yourself that when that answer comes to you, that's the answer you need. Uh, and just step into that and say, all right, I'm just going to sit on the floor with this guy and, and let's see what happens for the next three minutes. So we've talked about, you know, how to deal with our own, how to support our kiddos. I'm seeing a lot in the chat box about our parents. They are freaking out right now. I'm one of them uh, um, kind of thing. And so I can... I feel like I'm in their shoes as a freak out too, because I'm a parent myself and I'm having a hard time talking myself off the edge to even support other parents and yeah. providers going through this. What would you say about when you're alongside another adult? Because I think that there is a different level when you have child and adult, but what do you think about that, Michelle? Uh, I, as soon as you asked the question, I had a thought come to my mind. What would happen if you asked them the question, um, what can I do to make things more comfortable for you and your child? What can I do to make things more comfortable for you and your child? So that question, there's a couple different levels of communication going on here. So number one, by asking the question, you're, you're giving them information. I know this is hard. I get it. And, and I know things might be different. And I know that you have specific needs. So I am here to serve you and your child and to make it in such a way that you guys at least feel comfortable with what we're doing now. And then when you ask them the, the open-ended questions, you're going to get all kinds of responses. Some of them are not going to make sense, people. Okay? Just be aware. Some of them will not make sense. I remember having um, uh, a parent come to me when I was a director. She was like almost on the verge of being distraught. And she said, I was trying to have a conversation with my, uh, I think her son was nine months old at the time. I was trying to have a conversation with his teacher and she just wasn't listening to me. Okay, well, what's going on? How can I help? Because I'm all about yes. So how, how can I give you a yes? Or if, if I can't do something, what can I do? So communicating, this is what we can do, right? And, uh, and so she said, well, the real issue is I really have a problem when you're feeding my child corn okay, I, I, like, tell me more, because I'm not aware of this concern, right? And so her problem was she just didn't like how it looked in, when she was changing diapers. Like, it freaked her out for some reason. Okay, fear is not rational, okay? And I'm not going to change her fear of corn in the diapers. So at this point, I said, uh, what would you like instead? So if we're not going to feed him corn at this meal, what would you like instead? And so we did a simple substitution and the teacher was like, I can't believe I have to do this. And I said, it's not about the child eating corn. It's about the relationship between us and the parent, the parent and the child, the child and us. And so 
some of the answers you're going to get are going to seem really far-fetched. Some of them you are not going to be able to do. Okay, let's just face it. Um, but can you get creative and say, well, what can we do instead? One question, magic behind it. I like that you acknowledge that there are going to be things that you cannot do, but trying to get to that point that makes me think about um, when I was working with infants and toddlers and we didn't, we had some parents that didn't want their babies to go outside. Right. Um, but that's not a, an option, honestly, as a program, the babies go outside. And so we had then had to get that conversation of, well, what can I do to help you feel more comfortable? And it was, well, I want my baby to have all their skin covered or whatever it might be. And again, going back to that fear of what are they afraid of? Well, my baby is precious gold and I don't want my baby in the sun was, you know, really where it came from. But of course we had teachers going, oh, so we're going to keep one baby inside because you don't want your baby out going down that rabbit hole of, you know, not acknowledging that this parent is really scared. Our baby parents are the most scared, I think, you know, they oh, yeah. just, you just got handed this thing that there's no manual to, and you're trying your best. And that makes me think about even right now with riding that fear and where parents are coming from, they're fearful that they're not going to make the right choice. Um, and it's because this is a scary thing to think about if I make the wrong choice, someone could get sick, you know, like there, it's such a big pressure. Well, and, and think about too, especially guys, for those of you who are working with infants, the two to six month old age right now in this moment, you have got to be very aware because think about what's happened in the last two to six months. Okay. Last six months. Okay. We've really only been in the pandemic for the last four months. Right. But what does that feel like to have your, your brand new, fresh six to eight week old baby. And then a global pandemic happens what? I was just trying to figure out, do I breast or bottle feed? <laughs> like now I got to deal with this. And then to be pregnant when a global pandemic happens and all of that fear. And remember fear affects us at a chemical level in our body. So you're having fear and stress hormones all throughout your body for months, especially the last few months of gestation. And now you bring that child into the world and they're surrounded by all of that. So your job, yes, we want to make sure we're doing all our licensing things, you know, all of that, but your real job is to be a safe haven in whatever way you can for the family and the child. And if that means calming irrational fears, just chalk it up as another tool in your toolbox. I love that. And it really does deepen the relationship when you've come together in that way, which is really the ultimate goal when we're working with our families is you're co-parenting with them. Yeah. You can get into that mindset of it's not you and I, it's we. And way. let me just speak to this idea of, of working with your staff and your teachers, because that's a whole nother ball game. Um, but if, if they were to come, let's say you have a staff meeting and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got to do this for this parent. And this is extra. Okay. Let's just all come together at the table and talk about what are your fears in general? And it could be anything, you know, some people fear spiders and some people don't right? Some people fear snakes and some people like to live with them. Uh, and so being kind of real general and saying, what do you fear? What do you not? And having a discussion around fears. So maybe you have somebody at the table who's like, oh, I love snakes and somebody who doesn't. 
talk about that, right? And then do a debrief afterwards and say, okay, we tend to think as humans that what one person fears, everybody fears. When in reality, we all fear different things and we fear them in a different way. So one person might not like spiders and when they see one, they get away. Another person might have an extremely irrational fear of spiders and like literally break down if they're around spiders. That's what's happening in this pandemic and, and just a general fear of the unknown, right? I'll give you a great example. My kids um, here next week are, are headed off to school. Lots of reasons why we made the, the choice for in-person school. I won't go into that. However, the one concern as a parent that I have, and it's not irrational, I don't think, but well, you know, there you go. Irrational, I don't think. That's another, another training though. But the one thing that I'm concerned about is all of the extra heavy duty industrial chemicals we're using to kill this virus. I'm concerned that they're gonna be left on uh, you know, the desks, the tables, things like that, and that my children will be exposed to those. Okay, that is a, a big concern for me. So I have, you know, methods and we've talked to the kids and, you know, I'm going to send them with cloths to wipe things down and, and that kind of thing. Um, and of course, we've, we're talking about, you know, don't, don't lick people, don't lick door handles, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but I'm doing everything I can to keep them safe. However, I'm also monitoring as I'm having this conversation with them, how are they handling it? I don't want my fear to be passed on to them. So if they're up for it and they're like, yes, I'll go do this, great. If they're not, I have to be sensitive to that. Um, so just, just be aware of that, that everybody fears different things. Their fear shows up in a different way. And if you can talk to your staff about it and how it relates to them and your group, they're probably gonna be a little bit more apt to look at it from that parent perspective. You just gave me one more thing to think about here. I was like, wiping surfaces? No, that's one more thing. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm sure we all went there. Um, so switching gears to the solution-based thinking, let's talk about that a little bit. And it makes me wonder, you know, we're talking, you know, that things are individual for people. Would you say the same for as we're going through our solution thinking process? Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, uh, just the idea of if we all sat down and went through the five steps and said, um, okay, uh, I'm getting ready to start school again. And we went through, how do I solve that problem? We're all going to have a different way of looking at it. So in that, that five-step system, if you notice, it's heavily reliant on you going through and putting down all of your thoughts and thoughts about the feelings that you have. Uh, and then it switches into this, what have you done in the past that's helped you be successful? And how can you apply that now? That's a, a different kind of shift in perspective than what we usually do, because what we usually do is try to come into our conscious brain and say, what tools and resources do I have to solve this problem? And so, for example, if I have a problem with, um, let's say scheduling, let's say you, you own a center and because of all this, you know, you've got more classrooms, less teachers, less kids, like there's just a lot of chaos going around. And so you're trying to solve your scheduling problem. What typically happens is we start to reach out to our network. Hey, how have you guys solved this problem? I'm not against that. 
However, I would encourage you to do the five-step solution uh, first and then reach out because you have the answer inside you. And when we start to look outside of us for the answers, we disempower ourselves. So one of the things, because I've done this hundreds, hundreds of times with groups of people, is that when you go through that process and you get to the end and you say, okay, what do we need to know? It's not the 50 things you listed at the beginning. It's two things. And those two things are very specific. And now you know not only you know, what you need to ask help for, but now you know who is the best person. So please don't be that person who says, hey, I'm going to get into this Facebook group and I'm going to ask my question. Wait until you do the five-step process first and then ask a very specific question because here's what you're going to get. You're going to get 10% 10 10 of the people on Facebook who are going to tell you all but wonderful things. You're going to get 10% of the people who tell you, oh, you should only do this. Then you're going to get a good majority of people who are like, hey, you know, this worked for me. It might work for you. And then you're going to get this percentage of people who I don't even know if they should be allowed on Facebook. They come on and they tell you, well, those aren't the right questions. You should really be asking these questions and you really should be doing this. Does that help you get to your goal? No. <laughs> but if you get down to those two issues that you know, now one might be a licensing question. Well, who would you go to for licensing question? Another one might be, um, you know, okay, this is great, but how does this work in a family environment? How might that work, right? And then you could reach out to somebody that way. So start with this process first and then move along. I think that's so interesting to think about because I think a common way that we learn how to solve problems is to immediately reach out to your resources. And it sounds like yes. from what you're saying, we need to first trust ourselves yes. and then use what we have around us. And that's kind of the opposite of what yes. a lot of us are trained and learn how to do. Um, someone put in the comment box about when we're helping our children and families, you know, it, it's very clear that often the children are adopting the ways of the parents, whether it be the fear or how they are, you know, solving problems. And that kind of makes it harder for us because um, we feel like we're, uh, we have to undo what the parents have done. What do you think about that? Okay, so remember, they are downloading all of that stuff, right? They are downloading everything from their parents right into their subconscious. And once it's in there, it's in there forever. You can't undo it. However, remember, you, you, so that might be a monster X, okay? Um, but you also have a new Y belief. And so you coming in and doing something different and showing them another option. I love the example. I, I used to be a three-year-old preschool teacher. I don't know what it was, but three-year-old boys, their, their moms would be carrying them in. And I'm like, I, you learned how to walk a long time ago. What, what is this? I don't understand this. Now, I, I since realized that there's this dynamic between a three-year-old and his mom. And, you know, there's that, again, that could be a whole nother training. And so... I had to realize there's a need here for the child, the mom, or both, and they're fulfilling their need by her walking him in. Okay, great. However, when you're here, we have different rules, and you're just going to use your own two little legs and do your thing. And so this child learned, when I'm with mom, I can do this. When I'm here, I can do this. That's really important because now he has two programs downloaded into his brain 
that he can choose from. So never look at you're trying to fix or, or undo something. You know, you're, you're putting in in addition to so that when they become of age and they can consciously think for themselves, they have more choices. I love that because, you know, they need to be able to code switch essentially between places. And I think as grown-ups, we judge that and say, oh, well, he does that with her and this with me. And we place a judgment, but instead we could see that as a strength as he, that child has actually learned another language of behavior yeah. with another person and, you know, growing that. And, and putting that into the adult perspective. So think about yourself. What environments are you in? Um, so I'm just going to take a wild guess here that you don't act the same way with children as you do with your, your significant other right? You, you, we, we learn to navigate these relationships and that's what's happening in your environment. So look at it as a really positive way of, oh, I'm, I'm teaching this child something new. Uh, I remember I was working with one, one kid, um, first day of preschool, he could not feed himself. Uh, mom up until that point had just fed him his whole life. And so I realized, okay, well, you know, hey, guess what? This is how we do things here. And he struggled. He struggled for several days until he realized, oh, I can do this. Um, and I didn't say anything to mom. You know, I just kind of left it at that because uh, it's not my job to educate mom. It's my job to help her see how awesome her son is. And so I let him just be awesome with us. And then he went home and he was feeding himself and she came back and she's like, oh my gosh, he's, you know, growing up. I'm like, that's kind of what they do. Yeah. It's great that you brought up a mealtime example. Um, you know, those three things that we can't control, eating, sleeping, going to the bathroom, right? Yeah. Um, but those are things that we want to be able to control. And I think those are the things we often see when children come into our care that have not been in care before. Those are the three main things that we're like, oh, we got to whip them into shape. Yeah. Um, nothing like getting a co-sleeping kiddo come in and you've got to figure out how to help them nap, like those kinds of things. And being able to switch that mindset of this is what we do at school. This is what you do at home. Because, you know, I remember having even those thoughts myself as when I first started working with children of if mom just wouldn't co-sleep, this wouldn't be a problem. And that also took me back to my own belief system of whether you co-sleep or not. And then it came from the fear of I need to hurry and get this kid to sleep. And it just really yeah, radical. So you, you've got two things happening. You're, you're warring with your past and you're warring with your future. So the past is, you know, um, this is my belief of what I feel like should be happening right now. And the future is the story that you're making up. And, and some people would even go so far as to say, this child is going to be ruined and let me show you all the ways. Right. Um, and so you're, you're warring with these two sides, but you're not fully in the present. You're not in the moment. You're not with this child saying, what does this child need in this moment? Because this moment is all I have. And I think that's the real key is to realize that now is all you have. And right now, they might need somebody to sit next to them and pat their back. Three weeks from now, they might not. But if you always put those feelings, emotions, thoughts, and attachments to, oh my gosh, this is going to take me forever to get this kid fixed now. That's the attitude that you're bringing into that, that um, interaction. Do you think that that attitude is really gonna help that child sleep?
probably not. So now you're into this, like I I'm sabotaging myself and it's all because of my thinking. So powerful how our brains can just take over and to really, um, be aware of it. Um, I'm wondering, you know, words of wisdom far as, you know, I feel like this is something that you always have to practice. Um, do you ever feel like I've got it? I've nailed it. Well, yeah. And then I, then something happens to remind me I don't. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of how, how it works. So, um, I would say that I've been putting intentional practice into my own thoughts for years now. I have learned so much, but again, remember that monster X is always in there right? So the stuff that you learned when you were a kid that's not serving you now, you just have to know Monster X is going to come for you. If it's not today, it might be tomorrow and it might be next week. Now, as you progress along the journey, there's telltale signs that you'll figure out for yourself that you're like, oh, I think Monster X is trying to come here. So let me, you know, be a little bit more aware of what's happening. A uh, great example is, um, I thought I was doing really good with a certain belief. And then I started talking to another group of people that are basically out of the United States and they have a very different cultural belief. And so as I'm talking to them, I'm realizing, oh, <laughs> I thought I was doing the right thing. And in reality, I was doing it the Michelle thing. And I need to step back a little bit and I need to kind of take a, um, a better landscape picture of what's happening. Uh, and it wasn't like I was wrong. I was right up until that point. And by having those conversations and realizing I need to be open, willing, and curious, then I was more right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Going back to that, I really don't know anything, right? That's what we discussed earlier this week of, yeah. I don't know until I actually do know, right? Yep. Absolutely. And I think too, this is really, um, uh, really becoming specific for me is this idea of what is your, your ritual, your daily experience to remember who you are. Um, I don't think that that's talked about enough in general, specifically in education. Everything that you do and say flows from who you are. Cause remember your subconscious is who you are. That's got your identity in there, everything, right? So one of the best ways to do this is through using those I am statements every morning, sitting down and saying, okay, I am healthy. I'm whole. I am strong. I am, you know, whatever, because you're reminding yourself of how awesome you are. And when you know that you're awesome, you tend to say and do things that are much more positive for other people. I think a lot of people in education don't spend time in this area because it's too frou-frou. <laughs> you know, it's, it's too soft. It's not like getting the work done. Um, and it, quite frankly, I find that my job in this life, sure, I get to help people every day. My one job is to know myself and to remind myself of who I am so that when I come to work with people, I can bring the right energy, attitude, and experience for them. And if I miss that step every day, one day is eh, okay, two days, not so much, three days and everybody I live with says, what's going on with you? You haven't done your study time, okay? Uh, and so it's really important. You can adopt whatever habit you want, but you have got to remind yourself of how awesome you are and you've got to have people around you that can remind you of that. So 
I can't tell you how many times I've had some really cool, awesome thing happen. Uh, and then, you know, like the next week, I'm in the, the depths of the depths, right? And a friend will say, what are you talking about? You're so awesome. And I just need that person to tell me that. Um, so if you don't have some sort of practice about that, you reach out. I'll, I've got some other courses you can take that might help you develop those. It's so true. Um, I heard um, the phrase, you know, the work that we do is emotional labor. You know, going back to the word, majority of us are pleasers, we're givers. We're constantly doing this labor of love. Um, even when we haven't gotten that love for ourselves, we're still trying to build that. Um, and someone did comment in the chat box earlier that soon as they were able to start giving that love to them first, yes. it just naturally happened outward. And I'm sure you guys can all relate to this. And same thing that Michelle said is some days when you are in the right spot and you are loving yourself, it does just come. But there are days that you really have to consciously say, today I'm going to love this child because you don't have it in you for your own self. And being conscious that, you know, just because you're not doing physical labor, you're not up on a roof nailing or whatever, the work that we do is very intense. Um, you have to have so many intentional practices. We work our brains extremely hard in the work that we do. Um, I think we talked about before about how many decisions you make in a classroom or working with children. It's at par of a brain surgeon. You know, it's a lot of thinking and labor. Um, and so you really have to fill your own cup to be ready to fill those kiddos and those families. And I want to, I want to just encourage you briefly here because we do do a lot of mental work. Okay. Uh, obviously we're, we're caring for children, but we, it's a ton of mental work. And so when I give you things like, Hey, fight your fear. Hey, remember who you are. Hey, use this five step to problem solution. You might be tempted to look at it and go, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing else up here. I cannot make that happen. This is why having a conference in this format is so powerful because I just want you to work on one thing not all the things. You can come back, you can get successful at one tip and then three months from now, come back and grab another one. Okay. Um, this is like a continual buffet. Whatever you need for right now is what you need for right now. So uh, there is a temptation, especially for educators, when you go to a conference or, or a training to try to get as much information as you possibly can. Any of you like that? If you are, give me a thumbs up. Okay. I, I used to be like that. And now I come and I know the value of one really good idea. I went to one training and I got this idea of the I am statements. It was, it was actually a three day training, but that was the one thing that stuck in my mind and in my soul. And I said, I, I'm going to work on that one. And I became an expert at it to where now Honestly, I could, I could list 20 to 40 I am statements right now without even taking a break. Um, so this, that's my encouragement to you. Don't do all the things. Pick the one thing that you know. And that's why I, you know, when we're asking you about the homework questions, what did you learn? What are you going to do because of what you learned? What are you going to share? Don't put a million points, one point baby steps, right? I think if you cast your net too big, like you said, 
you're going to give up in two weeks, five of those things that you had on your list of 10 are going to fall off immediately. And then you're going to say, well, maybe next year, right? Uh, Hence my business name, Grow by One. We help people grow by one step every single day. All you need is one step. Just be better today than you were tomorrow. Not as good as, or excuse me, be better today than you were yesterday and not as good as tomorrow. And every day you grow one step and you'll eventually surpass all the goals you set for yourself. And you'll look back and go, huh, that was pretty easy. It's just like our kiddos watching them grow, right? Yep. We had a question. Um, if you had any recommendations for specific books by Byron that you had mentioned, if you had any <sighs> that came right to mind by any chance. Yeah. So I've got about five of, of her books, but the one that constantly comes back to me is uh, Loving What Is. Loving What Is. And she goes through this process and she calls it inquiry. And it's just a process of playing around with your thoughts. Um, basically, let's say you have some sort of um, interaction and it doesn't go as you planned, right? Then she walks you through this series of questions to make you think about um, different perspectives and really show you the choices you have um, when you're having these sort of interactions. I can tell you this, that for a long time, gosh, I, I struggled with my daughter, Hannah. Things have gotten, gotten a little bit better. She's 13 now, um, but it was, it was a real issue for a long time. And so I began to do this work of, of Byron Katie's The Inquiry, and I just began to see her in a different light. Um, and then quite honestly, there's some sort of soul connection. I'm sure of it. Uh, I'm sure there's probably science out there too, but I really believe that uh, if you have, let's say, issues with your mother, you probably are going to have issues with a daughter, right? And so I found for myself that as I began to really do the inquiry process with interactions with my daughter, Hannah, when I would think about my mom, it was in a much different light. So I don't know all the crazy weird things that happen in your brain when you do that, but if you really want to kind of delve into this mind stuff, that's going to be a wild ride. I'm sure it is, because like you talked about, we're downloading all those things early in life, and then as adults, we have to repeat those relationships and what that looks like and how different or similar, and even those things might trigger you in a whole different way, like... I don't know if any of you have done this, but when I say a certain thing to my kid and I hear my mom almost saying it, and it's like, you know, one of those moments um, that you're like, where did that come from? And, you know, but digging deep of where did that come from? Because there's things that I've said that I like, I will never say that. I remember as a kid saying, I'll never say what my mom said. And then before I know it, I'm saying, because I said so. And as a child, I remember that driving me. Well, let, let me just take that statement, remember, because this is a good reminder about the subconscious and how it works. Your subconscious is a little kid. It does not know the difference between positive and negative. So when you say, I will never blank, it does not hear the word never. It hears, I will blank. Think about that. So someone, um, Lauren just put in the chat, I will not allow fear to control me. I refuse to. So if I was to put the word never on that, that would almost be setting myself up for failure, the belief that that will never occur. Yeah. So you could, you could, um, you could change it just a little bit, say something like, I will honor fear when it comes and learn what I need to learn. 
because it's inevitable, right? It's an emotion, it's a feeling. Yep. And as you mentioned before, as humans, it's actually meant to protect us. That's why we have right. fear. Everyone has it. And it actually can be useful if like a bear's chasing you, right? Right. So if you, if you tell your subconscious, I'm never going to acknowledge my fear, I'm never going to let it control me. I'm never going to, you know, X, Y, Z. What happens if you're in a situation and you need a caution light, you know, um, then you have basically dismissed fear from your life. You want fear to be there when you say you need it. You want to be in control of fear, but not in a way that you're just kicking it to the curb right away, but that you're using it as a tool to help you. So you actually want to be that friend with fear and then say, thank you so much for coming. And now I disinvite you from my, my place. So reflection was, we need to accept it, but also figure out how to kind of calm it down. Yes. It's kind of like a wild toddler. You know, if you get a wild toddler that's just having a moment for whatever reason, like we don't let the toddler just run amok, right? We, we, we say, hey, listen, come on, come on over. Let me, let me give you some strategies, right? And sometimes it takes us a little bit to calm them. Um, but over time, if you really sit with that toddler and help them understand this is how we do things here, eventually the toddler is a little less wild. But guess what? They're a toddler, so they're going to be wild sometimes, right? Same thing. Fear is the same way. So if you find that fear is running amok in you, treat it like the toddler. You have skills. You have strategies. It's not like you're going to sit over in the corner as the adult and go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this child? Oh no. Just step into your power. Say, I got control. We'll take care of it. That's awesome. We have come to our end of our hour, guys. Uh, already? Already? Um, you officially have made it through facing fall 2020 style. I truly hope that all these little nuggets we've given you have inspired you to go into fall. We can do this. Your kiddos need you. Your families need you. You need you. And um, we just did this for you guys. I really hope um, that you can, again, as Michelle, take one piece and roll with it and come back back to this content and then say like I challenge you to come back to it at Christmas time holiday time and revisit it because that's a whole different level of fear and needing to solution think and all those good things um, again we did put the link in the chat for the certificate I just put it in there again it is in your workbook I will also put it in the Facebook page and I'll send out an email of reminding everybody to get it done um, is there anything final thoughts that you had, Michelle, that you wanted to share as we uh, close? Just thank you guys for being so awesome. Not just, you know, on our Q and A's, but, um, you know, throughout the week, excellent comments as we've gone through on all the videos. I've tried to keep up with them. Uh, so continue those comments as you're finishing up those videos. It's really great to hear, uh, not just what was, what you took away from it, but how you're going to use it. Uh, so please know too, that when you fill out that Google form for your certificate, your answer really helps inform me about how I do things a little bit different in, in my work. So if you say, oh my gosh, I learned all of this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to share this. Not only do I take that information and say, that's awesome. How can I add to it? But I also look at what you didn't put down. So if I had goals for you and let's say that that just didn't hit for whatever reason, I look at it and I make changes there too. 
So it's not just a, I got to check this box to do my certificate. It really does help me and it's going to help Crystal um, and it's going to help future work that we do. So thank you so much for that. I, I really do appreciate you guys. Absolutely. We really encourage the feedback because um, we want to make this as best as possible for you guys. This is why we do what we do. Um, again, thank you for giving us your time on Saturday. You guys, early childhood warriors, for real. Um, awesome. You have a great weekend. Thank you, Michelle. And as Michelle said before, go to her website, growbyone.com. She has a ton of amazing stuff in all sorts of different areas. You know, thinking about what you need, what works for you, check it out. There's a lot of great stuff there. Yeah. And I'll be sending out some emails too here probably in the next week that show you how to connect a little bit more. Uh, I didn't want to send that out to you today because quite frankly, you've probably had a week. So I'm going to give you a few days and the, I see some head shaking. Yep. I'm going to give you a few days and then I'll send you the email when you're like, Oh, I, I kind of miss Michelle now. Uh, when you miss me, I'll, you'll get an email. Perfect. You're just the gift that keeps on giving Michelle. Yeah, that's what I do. All right. Everybody have a good day. Thank you so much. Thank you.